We're reading from verse 30 down to verse chapter 10, verse 13. There's many people who teach from the word of God that Israel is finished as a nation, completely finished, and therefore all the promises regarding Israel in the Old Testament are now applicable to the church. That is totally untrue. <laughs> as we'll see, that God has a purpose for Israel. We see their past, we see their present, we see their future in chapter 11. So these people who teach, it's called covenant theology, those who teach that have just wiped out a great deal of the Old Testament as irrelevant, which is quite serious, isn't it, really? <laughs> They're not accepting the word of God. But there is a future for Israel. So we're going to start by reading chapter 9, from verse 30. <clears throat> what shall we say then, that the Gentiles, which followed not after righteousness, have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith? But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore? Because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law. For they stumbled at the stumbling stone. And the stumbling stone is the Lord Jesus Christ. As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and rock of offence, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth these things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring up Christ from among the dead. What saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich 
and to all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And let's just look at 2 Peter together. 1 Peter, sorry, chapter 2. 1 Peter, chapter 2. The wonderful thing about the, the Bible is it confirms the Old Testament as well as the New. And Peter is here quoting from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 8, Isaiah 28. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 4. Unto whom coming as unto a living stone, that's the Lord Jesus, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Now disallowed of men, Darby's translation of that is, they cast him away as worthless. Imagine that. We've been thinking about our Lord Jesus Christ this morning. They, the Jewish leaders, <clears throat> they cast him away as worthless. <clears throat> but he was chosen of God and precious. Precious can be translated praised and held in honour by God. He also as living stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, the most important part of the building, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, that's the Jew, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offence, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. I'm going to read one more verse, well not one verse, from chapter Deuteronomy, chapter 30. Very unusual that we're turning to Deuteronomy, chapter 30, but again this is the wonderful thing about the Bible. Paul is actually quoting some verses from Deuteronomy, chapter 30, and he makes some amendments through the Holy Spirit that what he's talking about is the word of faith in chapter 10. But just let's read those verses and you can see they're quite similar, but Paul puts a little different slant upon them. And it's Deuteronomy chapter 30. We, we all need to look at the context of chapters in the Bible because context is very important. Get the context right first. Yes, there may be some application for us, but get the context right first. The context of Deuteronomy chapter 30 is prophetic of Israel's future. So they have a future. But Israel has failed to keep the law, as we all cannot keep the law. Everyone will fail if they seek to do the works of the law. And 
Deuteronomy tells us they were scattered amongst the nations. That is true to this day. The Jews are scattered amongst the nations. I learned that even in England, there was Jews in England, and the Jews were expelled from England by Richard the Lionheart. That's interesting history, isn't it? So even then, they were still getting persecuted uh, by Richard the Lionheart. Something to do with the Crusades, I believe, and money towards the Crusades. So they scattered amongst the nations because of their sins. But God in mercy, they were gonna, they're going to hear the voice of God and return to him in heart. And he's going to bring them all back into the land, the promised land of Canaan. And it says in verse 11, For this commandment which I commanded this day is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that thou should say, Who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it unto us, that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that we should say, Who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us, that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very nigh unto thee, in thy mouth and in thy heart, that thou mayest do it. The word is nigh unto thee. Paul translates that, the word of faith, which we look at in chapter 10. So very important context of that. And again, think about context when we think about the prophecies of Isaiah and the Psalms. The psalm speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ as the stone which the builders rejected and become the chief cornerstone. A stone of stumbling, a tried stone, a precious stone, a precious cornerstone. All these things speak about the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you look at the chapters in Isaiah, it is a forewarning to the Jews. It was a prediction to the Jews that the Lord Jesus Christ was going to be a stumbling block to them. And that takes us to the cross again, which we'll talk about. They were going to be a stumbling block. So they had plenty of warning. Three warnings in the scripture there. There was warnings. There was another warning taught by the Lord Jesus Christ in his parables when he was here on earth to the Jews. Parable of the vineyard. He built a vineyard vineyard. He wanted the fruits of the vineyard. He sent unto them people to gather the fruits of the vineyard. That was the prophets. He sent lots of prophets to them with the word of God. But they didn't listen to the prophets. They stoned them. They killed them. They treated them terribly wrong of the prophets. And what did God say? I will send them my son. Surely they will reverence my son. And then we thought this morning about Calvary and the abuse that was held upon the Lord Jesus Christ and how they cast him out as worthless. This was God's son. Surely they would reverence my son. And they said, no, this is the son, the heir. Let us kill him. And that's exactly what the Jews did. They killed him. And then Jesus says in that same parable, have you not read the stone which the builders rejected has become the head 
of the corner. Absolutely wonderful, isn't it, scripture? So these warnings uh, from that they were told that the Lord would be a stumbling block, you've got to get them in their context as well, like Isaiah 8 and chapter 28. It talks about the Assyrian. Now when we think about the Assyrian in the Old Testament, we think about Sennacherib, which is true. Sennacherib ravaged the land of Judah. But it also speaks of a future, the king of the north, which is spoken of in Daniel. That is the Assyrian, the overflowing flood. So it has context to the future as well. Get the context right, and then you can make any application we can get from it as well, but get the context always right. But we haven't got time to look at the context of Isaiah, uh, but basically he was the stone rejected of men, disallowed of men, tried, but in the eyes of God, he's precious to be highly honoured. And to us, he is precious. And that's been translated the preciousness. To us, he is precious. We honour, we worship, we adore him, we accept him. We're grateful for the work that he done on the cross to save us. So, to the Jews, the Lord Jesus Christ was a great stumbling block. They stumbled at the stumbling stone. Paul speaks, when, when he's talking to the Galatians, he speaks about the offence of the cross. Is the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ offensive? Yes, it is. It's offensive. It was offensive to the Jew because it was taken away their circumcision. It was taken away their law-keeping. It was doing away with that. It was taking away their privileges. And David calls it in, in Psalm, in, sorry, not Psalm, in Romans 11, verse 9, David says, quoting Psalm 69, let their table become a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a recompense unto them. And their table means the special principles, privileges, sorry, granted to Israel, centering in the Lord Jesus Christ. That was their table. They'd lost all that. They were stumbled at the stumbling stone. And to this day, they're blind, aren't they? Still rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, for many people today, we have preached the cross and it is offensive. Why is it offensive? Because it's telling you clearly you are not good enough for the Lord. All have sinned and come short of his glory. You have no righteousness of your own. 
lots of people out there who are thinking they're going to be saved and go to heaven because of all the good works that they're doing. They're relying upon their works. It's not by works lest any man should boast. But they think their works are going to get them to heaven. In other words, they think they've got their own righteousness. And what they need is the righteousness of God. Which is a faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So religious people get offended. Yes. Other religions, they rely upon works to be saved. We don't rely upon works to be saved. We rely upon the blood shed upon Calvary's cross. Darby says this, the cross is still offensive to the natural and the religious man. For he hates to be told he is a ruined sinner in rebellion against God, under condemnation and on the road to hell whom only Christ can save. That's why it's offensive. So we need to take this truth to heart, don't we? And he says, what shall we say then? The Gentiles which followed not after righteousness have attained righteousness. We have attained righteousness. And we have attained righteousness through faith. I was found of them that sought me not. Nice though, isn't it? I didn't go specifically seeking for the Lord Jesus Christ. But he found me. <laughs> and he found me at a young age, fortunately. Yes. 17 years of old. That is good to be found of the Lord. Very good. But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, the law keeping, yes, having their own righteousness, they didn't attain to the law of righteousness. They can't attain to the law of righteousness. It was a schoolmaster to lead them unto Christ. He cannot be saved by keeping the law. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Why? Because they sought it not by faith. But as it were by the works of the law and they stumbled at the stumbling stone. Now it goes on to say, and he's said this before, haven't we, that in chapter 10, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. That was Paul's genuine desire for Israel to be saved. He says, I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. They were lacking in knowledge of the whole counsel and purposes of God. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness... In the words, seeking their own and not the righteousness which is by faith. But shall we not give thanks this morning that we are not ignorant of the righteousness of God by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Mm. We've been taught right through Romans, haven't we? The wonders and brilliance of all this. We're not ignorant to the way of salvation. The Jews were. And it says they have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. 
In other words, they've got to see themselves that they have no righteousness in the sight of God. That's what it means. Paul is a perfect example. And he says in Philippians chapter 3 verse 9, that I might be found not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is of through faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Paul's got it right, hasn't he? He has submitted himself to the righteousness of God. And that's what the Jews need to do. And they're not doing. Moses describes the righteousness of the law that a man which doeth these things shall live by them. But they have failed to keep the law. But the righteousness which is of faith speaks on this wise. Say it not in thy heart, who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above. We're thinking about Deuteronomy now. Who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Now on the future day, the future of Israel from Deuteronomy, they're going to realise that the word is near. In the mercy of God, yes. Their heart will turn unto the Lord. Then they will know that they crucified their Messiah. They will know it. Then they will know that he died upon the cross for their sins. Then they will know that God raised him from the dead. They will know it in the future. The Bible says they shall look upon him whom they pierced. And Zechariah tells them they mourned for him. One mourns for his only son. They will mourn. Every family apart, they will mourn. They will see their Messiah when he comes. And they'll be restored to the land. And he will be priest and king upon the throne. Elect and precious. What's it for today? Where do the Jews fit in today? Same message now is for the Jews. The gospel is for the Jews. It was to the Jews first, then to the Gentiles. The Jews started to reject it. Most of them started to reject it in a big way and started to persecute the apostles who taught it, etc. But it was to the Jews first. And then because they rejected it, they turned to the Gentiles. And as we know from Paul's missionary journeys, the Gentiles were accepting the gospel in their droves. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands becoming saved through the word of faith that is preached. Absolutely wonderful, isn't it? You don't have to uh, ascend Christ in heaven, he's already been down 
Jews will realise that he did come down from the Father to be born in Bethlehem. They will realise that that and that day. Or to descend into the deep to bring up Christ from the dead. He is risen from among the dead. Firstborn from among the dead. So we preach today the gospel. And the gospel of salvation is nigh to everyone. To attain, yes? It's just by faith. Believe it. By faith. And thou shalt be saved. And it's also confessing it, isn't it? When you become saved, you might confess you've been saved to your fellow brothers and sisters in the assembly and think, yes, I've been saved. Here's the Lord, yes, and we all give thanks when let God saved. It's wonderful to share that amongst the saints. But what this means is you're confessing it to the world out there in the workplace. You're confessing Jesus is your Lord. You belong to him. Confession. Yes. We talked about Joseph Marathia. He was a secret disciple, wasn't he? Secret. Yes, he believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. We keep it all secret. But what brought him out into the open was the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he put himself there clearly in front of all the Jewish leaders, clearly telling them, I'm with him. Nicodemus as well. I'm with him. Yes. And he did a bold thing going before Pilate and asking for his body. And he gave up his own tomb to put the Lord Jesus Christ in. And he bought, personally, fine raiment to wrap the Lord Jesus Christ in. He bought it. Then he brought it. Two things there, isn't it? He bought it first for him and brought it to him to take him down from the cross. Can we be secret disciples? Some people get concerned about giving testimony, don't they? They get frightened about it, perhaps. We need to confess it in the Lord Jesus Christ. Colin Veach, which used to be in Parliament meeting before he died, he and another brother, they were drafted, that conscription in them days, and they were grafted into the army, uh, but they were called non-conformists, yeah? They wouldn't conform, they wouldn't take up arms. That was their conviction. They would not fire a gun against someone else. So they were treated quite badly uh, in the army because they were treated as cowards, that they wouldn't serve their country, etc. But they were abiding with the principles. And he says that one of the first things they did when they went into their barracks with lots of soldiers is, I believe he said he stood on the bed <laughs> and he said to all of the soldiers in the barracks that day, he said, I just want you to know I'm following the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm a Christian. Uh, that took some doing, don't you think? <laughs> and the other thing he was determined to do was he got down on his knees and he prayed at his bedside in front of everybody else. That was a wonderful witness to the Lord Jesus Christ. No doubt he got a lot of stick for that. But he decided to go in and do it straight away. Yeah. This is what I believe 
So that's good to confess the Lord Jesus Christ, isn't it? As our Saviour. And whosoever believeth in him shall not be ashamed. That word means not put to shame. Or not ashamed. I like, there's an amplified version of it, and I do like the amplified. I know the word means shame, but I like what the amplified says, and it says, Whosoever believeth in him shall not be disappointed. Mm. Isn't that wonderful? Mm. Can we be disappointed in our Lord Jesus Christ? Absolutely impossible. Mm. Mm. Can we be disappointed in the work that he has done on the cross? Never. Mm. As the Jews he quote this morning, God is satisfied with Jesus. I am satisfied. We are satisfied mm. as well in the work that he has done. Yeah. Isn't that wonderful? We'll never be disappointed in our personal salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ and looking for him to come in. There is no difference between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is rich over all and to him that call him. Now we have Jew and Gentile. Not Jew and Gentile. We've got Church of God, haven't we? So Jews that are getting saved today are becoming part of the assemblies. I know in Israel they have what they call Messianic Jews, which is a terminology they use. And these are Jews who believe in their Messiah. They embrace the New Testament. They'll read the New Testament, but they still stick to certain things like their bar mitzvahs and things like that and Jewish rituals which is quite strange because really they're out of it altogether, the part of the one body of Christ. They've got to learn that, haven't they? That? And now, you know, the part of the body of Christ, it's totally different. And Christ is the head of the church. That's what they need to realise. But they, have been, they are being saved. Jews are being saved today and being part of the one body, which is great, isn't it? But the last verse we say in verse 13... Whosoever shall be called upon the Lord shall be saved. But how shall they believe without a preacher? You need someone to be telling them the gospel. Mm. And in the Old Testament, they got, when they got persecuted, they got scattered all over, didn't they? And it says they went about gossiping the gospel. Mm. Not gossiping as we would relate to it as gossiping about one another, which we shouldn't be doing, but gossiping telling about the Lord Jesus Christ with people they meet in their everyday life. Yeah, that's what it's all about. In your everyday life, gossip the gospel as you have opportunity. And sometimes the Lord gives that opportunity, doesn't he? Yeah. So these things are absolutely wonderful. And again, these scriptures show us how the whole Bible is absolutely wonderful. And you can cross-reference everything. It all fits in. The wonderful counsel of God written for us, for us to read and enjoy and believe. It's wonderful, isn't it? He's not a rock of offence to us. He's not a stumbling block to us. He is preciousness itself. Let's close in prayer.
Our Father, we have thought in thy word that thou didst send thy Son to Israel. With the words, surely they will reverence my Son.